welcome back. Welcome back after Red Brown episode 55 for Two in the Tackle. Much love to all the listeners out there. Thank you for coming back. You're a loyal bunch. You know who y'all are. Keep up the good work. Nah, just checking, but thanks for listening in. Uh, much love. We had the Red Brown on the weekend. Uh, there was three test matches. There was a women's state of origin, the men's state of origin. Apparently there was some under 19 state of origin as well. Um, but anyway, we're back to the footy this week as well. So anyway, hopefully you guys enjoy the show. Righto, we're back. We're back. We're going to kick off the show episode 55 as we should every single week. We're going to start with the front rowers. Now, we've had one try over the weekend. International football, wrap round. You know, the front rowers, they got back to what they do best. And they just laid the platform for the max. That's what they did. We had one try, though, for the front rowers. One try uh, from the Cook Islands. The Cousins from the Cook Islands. Davy Moale. Moale or Moala. Um, whoever it was, congratulations. Big ups to him. Uh, we also had an inductee into the dummy file over the weekend as well. It was on the last tackle. Joey Manu. Joey Manu found himself in a dummy file and he and he made them more than made up for getting himself out of the dummy file. What a performance by Joey Manu on the weekend as well. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get stuck into um, you know, a bit of the footy uh, over the weekend. Um, the first thing that I actually want to talk about is I want to get off my chest. I just want to get it quickly, straight away. Let's get off my chest. They need to change the rule in footy. And apparently, well not apparently, it's not apparent, I know it. It's facts. It's facts on fiction. That the forward pass needs to be adjudicated on by the video ref or the bunker or whatever it's been referred to in this day and age. Now, the reason why I say that is just in its essence of it, essentially we're saying that the ref has a better view on we're calling it forward because he is going to be in a better position, or he or she is going to be in a better position than any camera angle that any camera angle can ever get at any moment of the game. Now, I think I might have touched on this a couple of weeks ago, but it's starting to really grow on my gears. That it actually is in place. Like, how the hell can we think or come to the conclusion that the on-field referee, for everything else, it's better that the the bunker can make the decision for them, and they can have a you know a little fallback, and have the bunker make a call for them. Then on four passes, that moment when it comes to passing, apparently the 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 referees on the field can see it better every single time. Makes no sense to me. But anyway. Now, the reason why I want to say that is in the women's state of origin, wasn't that a f- fantastic match? The women's state of origin, that was on what, Friday night, I think it was? Uh, yeah, that was a spectacular game as well. But there was a game, there was a moment late in the game, I think New South Wales might have been up by four, four points. You know, not long to go in the game and they managed to go down uh, their right-hand side of the field, and her name is Olivia Koenig. She's a Māori. She's also an Aboriginal or Indigenous. I don't know the term they want to be referred to as these days, whatever it is, tangata whenua, as we say in Aotearoa. Uh, but she'll, um, 
she made a made a conscious decision that she was had the ball in two hands. She was gonna pop it up, put her hands over the the, the defender and pop it around the back because that's how she felt she'd be able to get the ball away to her winner. Now that's how she decided she was gonna pass the ball. Now let's understand in this instance that now it might sound a little bit contradictory to what I was saying before, but this is this is the situation now as the rules stand as it is. They can't rule on four passes. Now, she's gone and made a decision to pass the football. Now, it doesn't matter if it, someone tackles you while you're trying to pass it. If you're trying to pass it, you're trying to pass it. That's what a pass is. And you're trying to promote the ball from you to a teammate. Just like Daniel Tupo did the other night with Joey Money, who won a chess, man. Yeah. So she goes around the back, she passes it, and now... Apparently, just because it bounces means they're knocked on as well. But anyway, it's bounced on the ground. The winger's caught, picked it up as it's bounced off the bounce. Scores in the corner. Now, the touch judge is right there. The touch judge. The touch judge is right there. Now, it's not like the touch judge wasn't right there because the touch judge was right there. And then they can call then and there on the four pass as the rules stand. As the rules stand. Now, in that situation, I don't think there is a better camera angle than the touchy right there, right there and there. And the touchy's let it go. The rest let it go. So, they can't call a four passer. Somehow, the video ref has gotten himself involved with a bunker or whatever they want to call it this day and age. And he's decided that it wasn't a pass and that she'd lost control of it. And... I don't know if this rule even existed or even if it does exist, but if it, if it does exist, I don't know it existed. But apparently if it bounces, that can then be determined as a knock-on. And not a pass. But the touchy was right there and they didn't call it a knock-on. They didn't say it was a knock-on. So then we come back to this point that the camera... The reason why they can't adjudicate on a forward pass is because they can't see the angles correctly. They can't determine the angle. So now, but if it touches the ground, in this instance, this video ref now all of a sudden knows if it went forward or backwards? But before, because if it doesn't touch the ground, they don't know if it's going to go forward or backwards? If it went forward or backwards? How does that make sense to anyone that's listening right now? That's if you've made it this far, I appreciate that. But it just, it baffles me sometimes. It's as if they wanted to, you know, have a controversial decision. Or that they wanted to be involved. Or they wanted someone to look at me, look at me. That's what it seems like, you know. Or worse. I'm not sure what else worse could be, but something like that, you know. And I just thought that was amazing that they decided to get involved there when it wasn't and, and, and this time it wasn't even now I don't know what to sound nice but it wasn't even forward it was back it was backwards it was backwards out of the hand and there was a touch right there that could see it go backwards the winger the winger who was behind her had to stop to pick the ball up had to stop. So I don't know how I could have been forward. And then, because it bounced, Bunker, the video ref now all of a sudden has the abilities 
to see where it went. Now, I think they would always be able to see where it went. They would always be able to see where it went. And they would have seen then that they went backwards. But now nah, he had to get himself involved. All right, so anyway, but, but to that match, Caitlin Johnston, Johnston, not Johnstone, shout out to the Johnstones from Malabar, Johnston, Caitlin Johnston, Tangata Finema as well, um, of Australia, obviously. Um, she come on, it was her debut. First touch of the ball, she made an impact. First tackle, actually, no, it was a, yeah, it was an tackle, actually, something. Anyway, she did come on, made impact as soon as she got on the field and kept making an impact. Um, she reminded me one of those ones back from yesteryear where uh, they come on, and so the rugby league, the women's fraternity know about it. She played in the NRL double this year. I think I might have seen her. I don't have a strong memory of her, but she obviously was playing good enough to get picked. And then once she got picked, she played phenomenal in the game. Corey Parker likened her to Andrew Fafina, the way that he was out, that he's able to, you know, bounce out of tackles. He's a, you know, a difficult. He's like big up top, but fast feet. You know, quick feet below, uh, which is what she was like. And, yeah, she was just a ball energy, game-breaker in a way. Um, so maybe she might not have got better of the match. The, the Tonangano, the fullback, she was the best, I thought, by far, for New South Wales. Isabel Kelly was decent. She was decent. She's one of her better performances from what I've seen at that level. But I couldn't take anything away from Tanagara. And how about the fullbacks over the weekend? We had her on the Friday, Joey Money on a Saturday, and then James Tedesco on a Sunday. Just absolutely phenomenal. The plethora of fullbacks we have in today's game is is uh, John Ormus. The plethora. Um, yeah, and it's topped up by those, those players. Uh, Joe Money was a bit of a talking point for me, but I actually I keep want to keep talking about this. Pearson, Pearson played a good game for as a halfback for New South Wales. She didn't, she didn't try and play the role where she had to have a touch every set. You know what I mean? She just it's it felt as though she sort of played in behind the five eight. Who was the five eight for New South Wales? Sorry, I've forgotten about it. Who was it? Sugar. So the fullback was Tanangano. The hooker was... Fuck, I don't even remember who the hooker was. No, the hooker was that uh, Davis. Yeah, the hooker was Davis. Dib. Dib was the other half. She actually, she actually played pretty well as well. She... She played for New South Wales a few years back. Then she might have had a year off or something like that. And then she was like a reserve player for Newcastle. She couldn't really cement her spot at Newcastle. And then she got the gig. Was it an injury to Corbin Baxter? Corbin Baxter. Um, that actually got her in the team. And she played um, quite an impressive role as well. She... She didn't feel, it didn't feel, I don't, I don't know how they sort of played. They sort of just played through the middle, didn't they? Where they had just like uh, forwards charging it up, one off the ruck, maybe two off the ruck, and then and then Tanagano through the middle as well. But it, it wasn't one of those typical games where you see the halfbacks and the five-eights feel like they have to really, really involve themselves in the game. Pearson doesn't cross me as the type of player that 
really tries to overplay here. She likes to just, you know, maybe sit behind the pack in a way and 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 shake them around the field. But she she's got a solid kicking game, and that come that was handy for New South Wales. Uh, they almost stole it though in the end there by Queensland, the winger. Robinson, Julia Roberts. It's the you, Mrs. Robinson. Da, 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 da. I don't know the words, sorry, but I'm sure you guys will. Um, she was, what, a metre, half a metre offside, and in those instances, those origin moments, that's where the, the you're onside. That's where, I was talking about Darius Boy today, that's where Dar Darius Boy would have made sure he was onside. You know, Brett Dallas would have made sure he was onside. Robbie O'Davis would have made sure he was onside. Matty Bowen would have made sure he was onside. Matt Singh, Adam Mong, they would have all made sure that they were onside there. Julia Robinson, massive, massive effort to put herself in that position, but she was just slightly offside. And, and then, like, for her, even Shizoka, she was offside as well. Mrs. Shizoka used to have a uh, school teacher. She wasn't necessarily my teacher, but she was a prominent teacher in our school, Mrs. Shizoka. She was the religious coordinator or something like that. Uh, lovely lady, lovely teacher. She was there the, towards the back end of my school. Uh, but yeah, she was a lovely lady nonetheless. Um, and I think it's her niece. No, I don't know if it's her niece, but they got the same last name. She almost scored the try. And so just the fact that Robinson put herself in the position and then Chizoka was there in support, it would look like one of those moments where, you know, that traditional Queensland side managed to bloody pull it out, pull a rabbit out of a hat and they can steal the match from, from New South Wales. But... Fortunately enough, she found herself offside. The bunker managed to save the New South Welsh women there. Um, but then we got another opportunity to go up the other end and seal the match with Isabel Kelly, uh, which was, you know, probably the deserved winners of the end. New South Wales were, were right on top for most of that game, I'd say. That Davies, Davis from New South, she actually plays for the Dragons for New South Wales at Hooker. She was really good, I thought, as well. I think, yeah. Most of the New South Wales sides were, were solid, if not better, and the Queensland side again. Sometimes, like you know, they don't play as well when the opposition play better. But to make up, they didn't really get to. Um, yeah, she, for a while there, she was like the Tommy Turbo of there. I think they call her to make a Turbo. Anyway. Um, so yeah, that was a good game, and it's getting better and better. They're going to two games next year, which gives the advantage to New South Wales, which is. How you play with two games, what the fuck is that? This is getting beyond a joke now. Just give them three games. Give it to them, they'll make it work. If not, they're getting paid what? They're getting paid 15 grand a game or something like that? Mate, well, why don't we pay them bloody 12 and a half a game? And get them to the third game? Come on. Come on, what is this? What is this? And I'm only, oh yeah, yeah, I suppose you've got to do three games with the fools, just one game. So now it's 45000 as opposed to 15000 per person. But anyway, I think they can afford it. Hey, it's plenty of money in rugby league, isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't know, sometimes I don't know where, where people will get the money from for all this stuff, but I'll find it. They found 19 million. Imagine that, eh? They found 19 million the other day. The other week, whenever it was. It feels like the other day. 19 million out of 30. So they, they said, oh, here's 11... Shortchanged you. We shortchanged you 11 neck minute further investigation. It's supposed to be 30. And they gave him 11. Well, whatever. Sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes you make mistakes. I've made mistakes before. 
So, you know, that could have made mistakes. There would have been a few of them that would have had to make the mistake, but they made the mistake. That happens. That happens. That's all. You know, at least they found it in the end, the 19 mil. They're missing 19 mil. Good on them, you know. Big ups to the players. They well deserve it. Um, be interesting to see how the next negotiation pans out and uh, what, what, what we'll get off them. One thing we want to get, we need to start a petition. We need to get the players. We need to know what the players are on. Every single NRL contract, I don't care about no TPAs. I don't care about no side offers. I don't care about no knocking deal, no movie deal. All I care about is what you're getting paid by the NRL. What is that? That needs to be public. That's what we need. Let's get a petition going. Maybe not a petition, but let's get some momentum behind that. You know, we all want to know. And I just know that if, if we all know what everyone's on, it'd be a lot harder for them to try and dodge up the cap. A lot harder, a lot more pressure. And two, there'll be, able, there'll be nerds out there that tell, can tell you that if there's a situation where, where a team's cap is looking to a little bit, you know, squeezed, a little bit under pressure, there'll be nerds out there that'll spot it. Smell it a month, a year out, two years out. Hey, Look at these idiots. Look at these idiots. So I think they need to, need to get that out there. Uh, TPAs and all that other jam, jam, that's fine. We'll keep that behind closed doors. I just want the NRL contracts, registered NRL contracts. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, players like Lindsay Collins, for example, was getting... Let's just say, I'm just pulling this number out of my backside. But let's say he's on a 400k. Then all of a sudden the dogs are offering him 550. And the, then the Warriors are offering him 600. And he goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'll start the reason for 450. They gave me a pass. <laughs> you know, like, we want to see that stuff. I want to see who, what, and why, and how they're getting away with it. Because, like, if, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, same later, 200K, 200K, stuff like that. And I just made those numbers up. Let's, let's be honest. But we'll be able to see that. We'll be able to understand a little bit more about, you know, who's actually getting the better deals and all that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, that was the Women's NRL, oh, sorry, State of Origin. Then we had the New Zealand-Tonga game, man. Now, I actually thought Tonga was going to be a lot better. I thought it was going to be a lot closer contest. Uh, but in the first half, the class of the Kiwis, they, they sort of just managed to get out to a lead. And, and then they just didn't let Tonga get, get any momentum in that second half, which was solid by the Kiwis. There was a good performance. Joe Money, 400 metres. Should we just round it up? 400 metres sounds, sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? 398 doesn't sound too bad either, but 400, man. Like, at the end of the the Fox coverage, there was a footage up, it was 302 metres. And I was like, fuck, what a run. And they called it, there's his highest, uh, maybe two minutes before that, the commentator said it was his highest metres uh, earned in any game, across at any level, I'm uh, sorry, professional level. And so, yeah, he ran 398 metres for New Zealand. Now, they had the upper hand over Tonga, but he was he was a contributing factor, the reason why they had such a strong uh, dominance over Tonga. Uh, the thing with this Kiwi side, they actually showed a little bit of uh, duality to their side, to their performance as well. In the first half, they come out, they completed their sets, so that's key. Uh, they showed a lot of intensity, but they also showed the ability to be able to score some tries and, and you know, make some, execute some uh, high percentage or even some low percentage plays to be able to score some tries in the first half. Then in the second half, I looked, I think it might have been, it might have been 20 to 6. So they're up by 14. And I thought to myself, uh, if they're up by 14 against the Aussies, in this weather, it was raining. I said they they would close this out with the with the team not as good as this, 
So they should close Tonga out of here from here. And they did. That's exactly what they did. I think they scored one more try. Can't remember who scored the last try of the game, but they scored one more try. And it was just, it was a performance where they just knew that they weren't going to allow Tonga back into the game. So they sort of managed to seal the game. So in the second half, there's only one trial. But they've done enough work in the first half. And then when Nakora come on, Nakora come on, and he showed some intensity there as well. Um, and then it just looks like they've got such a good balance for your team. And the way that they approached the bench with Kieran Ford at 14, then they had two front rows, which was Moses Leona and Nelson Asafa Salamona. So genuine third middles. Genuine middle players. Then they had Britton Okora, who is an edge player, is skillful enough and fit enough to play middle. But then they've got Bromwich who can play middle and Papali'i that can play middle. And that's what they did. Then once they brought Nakora on, they put Papali'i to the middle. And he ended up scoring a try there. So um, it's just, they, it just made it seem like they didn't overthink the bench there. Whereas I feel like with New South Wales, we've been overthinking how to play the bench or Freddie's been overthinking it or it looks like he's overthinking it. You can't say too much because they fucking smashed Queensland yesterday. But I think, you know, that's just sort of how I would sort of try and approach a bench is you have that utility back, you have two genuine front rows and you have an edge back row and hopefully amongst your three edges that you've got in your team, one of them can play middle or fill up in the middle top thing. Um, so, yeah, Tonga, they, they came with the heat in the first half. Uh, they came with a bit of intensity. Armoni managed to, ice, you know, ice a try. First shot down in the Kiwi end zone or Kiwi uh, danger zone and they managed to score straight away. But after that, they didn't really get too many more opportunities. He really, the commentators said it as well, uh, the kicking game didn't really apply much pressure for the Kiwis and they were able to, you know, when you don't, when you essentially at that level of football, or that quality of football, you need to continually apply pressure to to force the opposition to break because they're all fit these days. They're all you know quality players, uh, especially that Kiwi side. The, you know, uh, Neil Kore played actually pretty good for the Kiwis, but I felt he was probably going to be the weakest link in that Kiwi side. He played pretty good there too. So, um, and I probably would have started with Forum, but on hindsight. Dylan Brown actually played a really good role there too. So Jerome Hughes controlling the side. Brandon Smith, unbelievable from Norrin, uh, which, you know, just laid the, they all laid the platform, really. They just, it was an 80-minute performance, a, du- a duality performance. I don't know how to say what I was trying to say. An 80-minute duality, dual, multifaceted performance. 80-minute multifaceted performance. Is that how you'd say it? I don't know. By the Kiwis, and you know, if they can keep that quality side, you know, throughout the entire World Cup campaign, and there's no injuries to the Kiwis, they're going to be tough to beat if they make the final. Black and white. Uh, the Aussies probably definitely way favourites, you know, but if they're off their game on grand final day like they were in 2008 or during the final, uh, you know, the Kiwis, if they're there in the final, they can get the job done with that side. That's as good a side as I've probably ever seen. I'll try to look back at the 2008 World Cup team and the 2005 Tri-Nations team. And the World Cup team, that's a quality side, but it's a side that was probably, compared to this Kiwi team, is probably just ahead on experience. And that's really probably what you get from that that 2008 World Cup team is a, a lot more experienced than this 
Kiwi side of now, but this Kiwi side of now, you know, Joe Murray at fullback, Brandon Smith at the nine. They've got Jerome Hughes, who's killing it. You know, he's all, he's controlling one of the best teams in the competition. He's marshalling around the football field. Um, you know, they've got the the two premiership props at the moment. Jesse Bromwich, the premier prop in the competition. So, uh, Joe Tarpany, another premier prop in the competition. You know, they've got a very, very strong forward pack. Nelson Asafa Solomon, he isn't necessarily, you know, maybe not in the top 10 front rows of the game right now, but he's easily top five front rows coming off the bench in the game right now. You know what I mean? Easily. You know, um, he's, he just creates, and, and him coming off the bench is that type of play. You know, he might only get 30 minutes. 25 to 30 minutes in the whole game and he, he come on and he explode, you know, 15 before halftime, 15 after halftime, you know, do cause a lot of damage, just the fact that he's a big body out there, can be a lot to handle sometimes, um, you know, it can be a little bit of a change up as well, but the fact they've got G. James Fisher-Harris who, who offers that, you know, that, that fast footwork, that engine through the middle, but also power game as well. We can play that power game. And same with Moses Leona. Where Josie Bromwich, he doesn't necessarily, you know, he's, he doesn't get his, he doesn't get bent back in defence or attack. Uh, he's just a consistent, solid defender, consistent, solid, um, you know, middle third player. So um, they've got a good, strong side. They just need to stay injury-free. Uh, the Tongan side, they, they lacked a lot of class, really. And... You know, at the same time, they just don't, um, they weren't able to apply enough pressure to relieve themselves from pressure. So considering the amount of pressure they're under, they actually showed a lot of courage, a lot of heart. So a lot of good signs there. And, you know, Fiji got beat by PNG. So brilliant performance by the PNG. Actually, sorry, apology. It was a try there. I actually couldn't confirm his position, but I, I will admit I did forget it. Mackenzie Yay from the PNG Kummels. I was either Hunters. No, they're the Kummels. The national team's called the Kummels. He scored a try now. I'm pretty sure he's a front row because he was humongous and he come off the bench. Uh, so, yeah, he scored a try as well. That was a brilliant try too. And PNG played really solid. They played the best brand of football, by the way. Run as hard as you possibly can and tackle as hard as you possibly can. And that's what you want in a football player. They all do it. They were good. Fiji, you know, they went at their best. But they'll prove, and then it, this is sort of like, like they don't need to play every single year, but they need to play, you know, on average three times a year. You know what I mean? Every every one of these teams all need to play on average three times a year. Whether it's every second year they have a, a tournament, you know, they play one one, you know, just think about it, figure it out, because they all need to start playing to build that that standard of football. Um, Samoa, Cook Islands, Samoa far too good for the Cook Islands. And then, yes, we might as well talk about the origin now. We, we finally we got there. Uh, Cleary, by far and away the best player in the field last night. Had it on a string. Kicked out for a mate with his goal kicking as well. Uh, you know, big boot there in the second half, the beginning of the second half by Matt Bannon. That was pretty cool. Had it, I'd never seen anything like it. I heard them all talking about it and raving on about this bloody kick, how high it gets, but I never really thought too much of it myself. But that was the first time I actually witnessed it. He only really pulled the one really big one off was that first one. Um, 
But yeah, most of the kicking was done by Cleary. He had it on a streak. Uh, there was a few instances there, though, by the Queensland side. And this is where I talked about Darius Boyd. There was a few instances there where previously Darius Boyd doesn't make those errors. Uh, Dane Gagai back in the day, Israel Folau, and even today, like, Dane Gagai wouldn't have made those errors and he didn't make those errors. He had that one lapse in defence, but offensively, he doesn't he doesn't make those errors where Cobo made it. I know Cobo will be there for Game 3, and he does deserve to play in Game 3, but I just think that was sort of, you know, there's a few moments there where they sort of put themselves under pressure, and the quality or the determination that New South Wales had, they managed managed to make the Queenslanders pay from pretty much all their mistakes. Uh, the decision to send Ben Felice Kofusi, sorry if this isn't an order either, but that, that I thought... Live, I thought that was a fantastic decision. I feel like that's sort of how it needs to be done, exactly how it's done. Like, that should be the standard. But I do actually understand, I heard someone say that it was a bit of a shock and they weren't really, they didn't even get a warning. Which, in terms of what we normally know as a warning, where they blow a penalty, the referee calls the captain out and says, talk to your players because, you know, one will be having a rest. That is what I would deem a warning, a genuine warning. That I didn't see, but that doesn't mean that there weren't communication either before the game or during the play. Uh, but even if it wasn't, I actually thought it was a great decision because you could tell that what Queensland were trying to do, we're just going to slow it down until our D is ready and we're ready to rock it. And the plan wasn't having it. And I'm I'm not going to go into details as to why why he wasn't having it, but that is exactly what I've been trying to say or push for when it comes to penalties on your line or penalties inside your 20, 20 meters zone. Is that just send him to the mid? He won't be doing that again, and neither will the rest of the team. And they don't need to really have no more warnings now because that should be the standard across the NRL and at State of Origin level. You can't just blatantly give away a penalty or blatantly give away a six a game. You know what I mean? Because the six a game was there to make the game better. It's to speed up the game so that you're not just like purposely giving away a penalty. But if you're not even going to get punished for that, like an extra two or three more tackles, that's not a penalty. That's not a punishment. So go. And Clyde just pulled the trigger and we didn't see any more of that rubbish for the rest of the game. So I thought it was fantastic. Um, and yeah, Queensland really struggled pretty much from that point on. We scored straight away. Um, the 10 minutes, you know, they were scrambling, hanging on, hanging on. Then we scored again at the end of that 10 minutes. So we scored two tries while Kafusi was off the field. And once he'd come back, that's where I feel like they did break. And you now they say they won and broken. They didn't break. Um, and that may be the case. That may be the case. Um, there was a point there where I noticed Ben Hunt kicked it there early in the second half, early tackle in the second half, and we were up by eight instead of instead of them being up by eight. He did that kick, and that kick I think sort of like sort of reframed how I viewed the match, and it was like he's kicking that down there to try and put us under pressure, turn the momentum a bit, and see if they can force an error out of us. When in reality, we had all the momentum. We should have been kicking into their corner, putting the pressure on them, trying to get an area out of them. And exactly that next set, 
Cleary kicked it on the fourth tackle inside his 40, pushed for a 40-20, almost got the 40-20, and then had them inside their line, inside their 10 metres. I think we potentially could have given away a penalty on that set, but that was that was another key point where um, Cleary actually responded to what Queensland were doing. He responded, he responded the first time when Ponga put Kafusi through, Again, that could have been a forward pass, but I, at the time I was fuming and I thought it was a forward pass, but I just had to accept it probably wasn't a forward pass. So I could see if it was or wasn't, just accepted it and oh, what could I do? I can't change it. But then Cleary just went back up the other end, found his, got his opportunity, found that spot in behind the line and Burton scored the first try for New South Wales. So he actually was responding and every moment that Queensland tried to lift or or make a statement, he, he responded back with that statement. He did it all night. And it was one of those, you know, we haven't won the series. So, you know, Andrew Johns' performance back in 2005 was a two-gamer. He did it in the return game to swear the series. In the game that he wasn't picked, and he come back to uh, win the game for New South Wales and then the game three. So he actually did the duel. So maybe when I look back to that, uh, you got to take it on the two matches and the fact that they won the series. But just as an individual game performance, that's as good as any halfback for New South Wales that I've ever seen. And the best I've seen was the 2005 matches from Joey Johns. There was one in 2003 actually as well. And that was as good as all of those. If not, if it wasn't as good, it was in the same category. So yeah, it was a brilliant performance by um, Cleary, followed up by everyone else in the New South Wales side, Cam Murray, Played well, Tedesco played well, Trebojevic, who was missing in their first game, and it was just that that rock solid defence. And maybe, maybe the non selection of Trebojevic could be the building of, of his, you know, making him an even better player. Because it looked like he went out there as if, like, all right, and I don't think he ever plays with ego, because I've never thought that about him. But I felt like when I looked at him on the television, it looked like he he was like a little bit like he had something to prove, but a little bit could have been just to prove it to himself sometimes a bit. Well, you know, I don't know if everyone else is like this, but sometimes I might get a, get told off at work that I'll go back and I'll you know start doing a better job. I don't know, something like that. You know, you put your ego to the side, shit like that, but yeah. Anyway, I thought it was a good game. And New South Wales fans would have thought it was a fantastic game. Queensland fan, maybe not so much. Anyway, I think we're going to have to call that a night there. Thanks for listening there, tuning in. Much love again. Uh, make sure, please remember, be good to your mother, be good to your father, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband and your wife, your aunties, your uncles, your kids, your next one, neighbors. Much love. Peace. We out of here.